You're listening to the St. John's Diamond Creek podcast. This episode presented by Youth and Young Adults Minister, Kirk McKenzie. Knowing his life was in danger, Jesus and his disciples went to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Initially, he was well received, but as the week progressed, things changed. While having the Passover meal, Jesus got up and began to wash the disciples' feet. Peter protested, but Jesus said he must do it as an example of how we should care for one another. He then got a loaf of bread, blessed it, and shared it with his disciples, saying that it was his body which was broken for them, and that they were to do this in the future to remember him. He then took the wine and shared it with each of them, saying that it was his blood which was shed for them, and that they were to do this in memory of him. Jesus was fearful of what was to come, so went into the garden to pray. While he was there, soldiers came to arrest him. They spat on him, whipped him, and pushed a crown of thorns onto his head. Then they took him to the Roman governor, Pilate. Pilate asked what he had done. The religious leaders said that he claims to be the son of God, the king of the Jews. Pilate asked him, are you? Jesus replied, you have said so. Pilate couldn't see that he had done anything wrong and wanted to set him free, but the people called out, Crucify him. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull. There, they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gold, but after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots, and sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. The two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, You who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the Son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. 
For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. I was listening to the radio the other day and the presenter described the times we were living in at the moment as dark times. And as I said that, I looked out the window and it was like an idyllic Melbourne day. Beautiful sunshine, native birds flying from tree to tree, uh, a little bit of breeze in the air. You know, if you wanted to go outside for a perfect Melbourne day, that was the day. So I had this contrast here. Dark times being spoken about on the radio, and yet this wonderful sight out the window. But I understood what the radio presenter was saying. These are dark times in the sense that the world is facing the challenge of the coronavirus pandemic uh, and all the, the illness and the death that that's causing and all the lockdown and restrictions that many countries are having to put into place. But... The idea of it being dark times, but also a wonderful day, I felt was kind of a good metaphor for Good Friday. What we remember at Good Friday is some pretty dark stuff. The stuff that we looked at, even in our uh, story so far, and the Bible reading that we've just heard, they're, they're, they're dark things that are happening there. There's some pretty horrible stuff. And yet, what we remember at Good Friday is also a cause for celebration. It is a good thing that happened on the cross. What do we mean by dark times? When people say we're living in dark times, what are people actually talking about? I think what we're trying to say is that there's something off about the world right now. If we say the world is experiencing dark times, we say this isn't what it's meant to be like. The world is meant to be different to what it is at the moment. If we say, my life, you know, I'm experiencing a dark time in my life personally, we're saying life should be better than this. There should be more good things. There should be better things going on in my life than there is right now. Uh, I've had a couple of housemates over the years who are police officers or police officers in training. It's interesting talking to a police officer at the end of the day. You know, when you both get home from work or whatever you've been doing, you check in. How was your day? What's been going on? And often you'd have an interesting conversation, but every now and then you'd say, hey, what happened today? How was it? And they'd just say, you don't want to know. And that's because when you're a police officer, you work in that area where you investigate crime and the worst sort of human behaviour. Sometimes you see some pretty dark stuff and you don't want to talk about it with your housemate. And I started to realise that and appreciate that these 
housemates of mine, my friends, were facing the darkness. They were facing some of the worst that our society had to offer on my behalf and on your behalf. They were facing the darkness so that we don't have to. I kind of thought of it as a, an act of love, actually. I don't know if the police, if police officers often think about what they do as an act of love. Very practical sort of love, not the Hollywood sort of romance type love that we would often think of. But that sacrificial love, doing something tough, doing something difficult on behalf of others. So police face the darkness of human behaviour. But there's also other darkness in the world that's not a direct result of one person doing something bad to another or one group of people doing something bad, but it's just sort of dark stuff. You know, famine is an example of this. You know, some people living in dreadful poverty in parts of the world. And we have people who go and face that darkness on our behalf. Aid workers who get in there and to go into the worst conditions around the world to try and make a difference. Earlier this year, we had the bushfire crisis in Australia and we had firefighters, again, facing the danger and destruction of bushfires and holding those fires at bay to protect the rest of us. And of course, now with the global pandemic, we have our healthcare workers and, and others, governors and so on, making tough decisions, facing uh, illness, facing suffering, facing death, facing the risk of in getting infected themselves for the, for the good of the rest of us. What we need, and we always need this, but especially in dark times like we're in at the moment, we need people who are prepared to sacrifice their own comfort and their own safety in order to face the darkness on our behalf. We always need that, but especially now, we can deeply appreciate it. So if you are one of those people watching now who have or are facing the darkness on our behalf, I just want to say thank you on behalf of everyone else watching. Thank you for what you're doing. Uh, we're deeply encouraged by what you're doing uh, and deeply appreciative. Thank you. Well, as we look at our Bible passage today and look at the story of Jesus' crucifixion, we can see that the people in Jesus' time very familiar with dark times. It's not like it's just unique to our situation right now in 2020. Uh, dark times familiar to the human race throughout history. And particularly for Jesus personally, uh, it was pretty dark stuff going on. Uh, he's a victim of a pretty shaky justice system where uh, he's innocent of the crimes he's accused of, but the governor uh, gives in to crowd pressure because there was a crowd there that was not a fan of Jesus. And so he gives in to them and says, well, we're going to execute you anyway, Jesus. He's brutally tortured before he's taken off to be executed, nailed to a plank of wood through the wrists uh, and through uh, the feet, and then hung on a cross, left to die. A brutal, horrible way to be punished for crime in Jesus' time. He's been abandoned by a lot of his friends who had promised to stick with him. And if we look at the way the crowd's treating him, we can see that uh, this is not a great spot to be, even though he's going through all this physical suffering with the torture and with the nails. Uh, people are adding to that suffering in the way they're speaking to him uh, and the way they're treating him. If you've got your Bibles open, which I hope you do from our Bible reading earlier, let's have a look at that together in verse 39 
of Matthew chapter 27. Look at how the people are treating him. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you're the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said. He can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. So there's other people getting crucified. Even some of them are criticizing Jesus. So it's dark times for Jesus. It's tough. And then actual darkness, like literal lack of light, descends on the situation as we keep reading in verse 45. It says, From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, leme sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Or why have you abandoned me? Why have you left me all alone, God? See, Jesus had been in perfect relationship with his loving father forever up until that point. Jesus was a God come to earth in human form. He'd been in loving relationship with God since the beginning. He'd become a human being. But as we look at Jesus' life, we see he'd always been in good relationship with his father, always knowing what the father wanted, talking with God, uh, being in step with the father all the time. But in this moment, God has left him. And for the first time in Jesus' life, he feels completely alone. His human friends have abandoned him. The humans around him have turned on him. They're criticizing him. And God, who loves him so deeply, who he's had an incredible, intimate relationship with, has left him as well. And it's like creation itself, nature itself, is responding to the dark place that Jesus is in. You know those days where it just gets so dark, the storm clouds come in, uh, and you know it feels like it's nighttime, even though it's the middle of the day. It must be one of those situations. It's not so dark that people can't see, but it's a very dark situation. It's like nature itself is responding to what Jesus is going through. And he cries out about it. He feels completely alone. But this had to happen for Jesus to achieve his mission. He had to go into complete darkness in order to achieve his mission because his mission was to deal with all the darkness in our world. Now, to explain how this works, I've got a prop with me. Uh, and it was a prop that was just shown to me uh, a number of years ago, which I think helps to understand the Christian understanding of uh, how Jesus deals with the darkness in our world. So here it is. It's a picture frame. Uh, and in this picture frame, I have a number of photos of my family, uh, four different photos that represent some good times in our family. Uh, so it doesn't really matter. You can put your own sort of pictures in here or one picture. Just it represents something good. And these pictures, I guess, represent the way God has made the world at the beginning. 
a good world. And he made human beings, and he sees human beings as the very best thing he created. Really, really good. And in this world, we don't have darkness. We don't have the problem of people treating each other badly. We don't have problems of disease uh, and natural disasters and this sort of thing. But into the world, at one point, came evil. And in particular, uh, sin. Sin is where uh, us human beings, we do evil, either through action or through word or through thought. And so when human evil entered the world, it's a bit like this happened. You can see there that the picture frame has been fractured. We can still see, hopefully uh, on the camera there, you can still see that there's some good stuff going on in there. There's still, you can still see the good things. You can still see these good moments that went on. And we can look around in the world and still see there's a whole lot of good going on. We can even look around in the dark times and see so many good things going on in our world right now. And yet, it's not quite right. It's like the world's been fractured or broken. It's not completely as it should be. There are dark times. There are dark things in the world. And it's these dark things that Jesus has come to address. Now, if there was, if this fracture had not happened, things like the coronavirus would not exist. The coronavirus is not one person's fault. It's not the fault of a group of people you know we have this ridiculous situation of like people being racist to chinese people as if somehow a virus is somebody's fault or a group of people's fault that's crazy but if we zoom out far enough like to all of human history we can identify the entry of evil and sin into our world as the cause of all the darkness and all the problems that we experience in life at the moment so we don't finger point and we don't look at one person and say well, it's their problem or it's their problem. They're the, they're, the, they're the reason that the problems are happening. We look at each, all of us together and we say, well, we are the reason these problems happen. And that is what Jesus came to deal with. That was his mission, to deal with the darkness of sin and evil. Now, as we understand Jesus' mission, we need to realize that we are all contributors to that problem. We need to sit down, we need to look into a mirror, and a lot of us are going to have plenty of time to do that in the coming weeks and months, uh, as many of us are you know, restricted with all the things that we used to do. Uh, we're not doing a lot of those anymore. So plenty of time to do self-reflection. And when we do that, I'm sure, whilst we'll be pretty pleased with some of the decisions we've made and some of the journey that we've gone on in our life, we won't be pleased with all of it. And if we're actually honest with ourselves which can be a challenge, will agree that we are part of the problem. You know, I haven't been a hoarder during the pandemic. I didn't stock up on pasta or hand sanitizer or anything like that. And when I heard that people were, you know, just loading up on toilet paper, I was like, oh, those guys, what are they doing? But do you know what I thought immediately after that? Maybe I should go down and stock up as well. And then when I realized I couldn't because it was all gone and the shelves were bare, I thought, well, aren't those people the worst? And I sort of got all judgmental. I started to feel superior. And I started to feel like I was a much better human being than they were. And I started to talk about how greedy and selfish they were. 
even though they were probably more acting out of anxiety and fear. So who's worse, the person having an anxious reaction or the person who sits on their high horse and judges them from a distance? You know, if we look in the mirror, we're not always going to like what we see. Some of it we will, but some of it we won't if we're honest. Another thing that I've grappled with just doing some self-reflection is I've thought a lot about this pandemic and I've done a lot of thinking about how it affects me and affects my family. But I've also reflected on the fact that in 2012, 2,000 kids, over 2,000 kids, every day were dying from diarrhoea. And I barely noticed. Why? Because it wasn't affecting me personally. It was happening to poor people in another part of the world. And I start to go, I like to think of myself as a caring person, someone who doesn't want children to die. But do I only care about these things if they're directly affecting me and my personal convenience? If we're honest, we're all contributors to the evil in the world. We need to own that as we think about what Jesus achieved with his mission on the cross. Jesus dealt with evil in a number of different ways. One way is he came and he set us an example in his life. He demonstrated to us how to have a great relationship with God and how to have really loving relationships with each other. Uh, he, he demonstrated it in the way he lived and he talked to us and he gave us a whole bunch of teaching on how to do it. He also spoke with authority to the darkness in the world. In particular, he speaks to evil spirits and he speaks to disease. He heals people in the way he speaks to disease. And he even spoke to nature and addressed some of the issues in nature, for example, calming a storm. Uh, and then on he, when he died, he did something profound as well. We actually have the moment that Jesus died in our Bible reading today, verse 50. Uh, said, when Jesus had cried out again, and this seems to just be a, a yell of pain or anguish or desperation, doesn't seem to have any words listed here. He cries out again in a loud voice. He gave up his spirit. This is the moment we believe Jesus' uh, life came to an end. And in that moment, something profound happened. Because in that moment, Jesus took all our darkness, all our sin onto himself. Everything, all the sin that you and I have done, he took it onto himself. And when he died, it's like our sin died with him. And what that means is, if we put our trust in Jesus, if we become a follower of Jesus, our sin and our darkness doesn't need to weigh us down. We can be free of it. We don't need to be addicted to our sin. We don't need to be weighed down by it. it doesn't, we don't need to worry about punishment from it. We don't need to fear that God's going to get us for it. We can be free from that. Jesus was separated from God, from God's love, so that we could receive God's love. Jesus entered darkness so that we could live in the light. Jesus experienced complete despair so that we could experience hope. Jesus also rose again from the dead. We're going to focus a lot about this on Easter Sunday. That gives us hope. He brings light into the world. He brings light into our life. It gives us hope for the future gives us hope for freedom in this life, hope for freedom in the next life. I encourage you to be with us again on Sunday, Easter Sunday, as we focus on Jesus' resurrection. Jesus did all this because he loves us and he did it with real 
sacrificial love. Now I've asked a couple of friends of mine, Hamish and Katie, who are members of our church, to put together a song for us to help us uh, reflect on this journey we go on across the Easter weekend, where we sort of start in the darkness of, uh, you know, Maundy Thursday night, um, things being pretty dark, Jesus getting arrested, the darkness of Good Friday afternoon, the clouds coming in and Jesus dying, but moving towards the light of the resurrection. And this song sort of captures, we think captures that journey pretty well. And so we want to play it to you now, and then I'll be back to give us uh, a little uh, reflection activity that we can do towards the end of our service, to finish off our service. There's no darkness in your eyes. There's no question in your mind. God Almighty. Thank you. 
restoring sight to the blind, breaking the curse of the night for all in darkness. Sing louder, proclaiming freedom for all. This is the day of the Lord, beauty for ashes. Let there be light. Thank you, Hamish and Katie, for putting that song together for us. Here's how I'd like to finish our time together today. I'm going to give you a little activity that you might like to do by yourself or you might like to do in groups if you're in a family situation, maybe do it in pairs or together as a family. Find a dark spot in your home. I don't know what time of day you're watching this or what the weather's like outside, but just find one of the darker spots in your home or if you've got a yard in your yard. And you can go there and you can stand or kneel in that spot and talk to God about the darkness in our world and in your life at the moment. Just speak to him really honestly about it. You can speak out loud or you can just do it in your own head. Just talk to him about what's going on. What are your thoughts about where the world's at, where your life's at, how are you feeling about it all? And here's what's really important about that. Admit your own contribution to the darkness in our world. That's really important. We need to confess our own part in that. But I don't want you to stop there. After you've done that and had a really good, honest conversation with God about the darkness, I then want you to move into a bright spot in your home. If you've got some sun shining, uh, move into that spot. Or if you've got a bright light that you can turn on, go and stand in that bright spot and invite Jesus to shine his light into your life. Invite him to be the guiding light in your life. Receive his love and his forgiveness that he earned through his death on the cross and his resurrection. Embrace the unconditional love that he offers each of us. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're watching this today, that is a great moment to become a follower of Jesus if you'd like to to commit your life to being in relationship with Jesus from now on and to journeying with him through the ups and downs of life, seeking his light and rejecting the darkness. 
So that's the little activity we're going to leave you with. Uh, you can take as long or as little time to do that as you like. Uh, we're not going to sort of set a timer or anything for you to do that. Just be honest with God. And uh, but I do encourage you to take your time and be honest. But to officially finish our time together, we've got a prayer that we'd like to pray together. And we'll put it on the screen so you can pray along. I thought the way we might do it is I'll say a line and then you might like to repeat it after me. So here we go. Merciful God, who gave your son to suffer the shame of the cross. Save us from hardness of heart. That, seeing him who died for us, we may repent, confess our sin. And receive your overflowing love. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to subscribe to this podcast, you can do so in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search for St. John's Diamond Creek.